Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is the 125th episode. I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to talk about me a little bit. I say, well, you talk about yourself all the time. Well, in, in senses, I, I give opinions and, and things like that. But today, I'm actually straight up going to just talk about me, who I am, where I've been, why I've fished. And I don't like doing this. It's not so much a false humility. What it really is is it's not great radio to just listen to somebody talk about themselves. I mean, if somebody is particularly interesting or they've had a wide range of experiences or they're a phenomenal storyteller, then that's one thing. I don't necessarily think that that's me, but what I want to do is I want to give you some perspective. So if you've been listening to the first 124 episodes of the podcast, you've been reading the website for five years, this gives you a little bit of a frame of reference. There is this implicit biography that you get as you listen, as you read. Uh, Anybody, not just myself, but if they're not straight up talking about themselves, if you just pay attention, you're going to get all those bits and pieces. Today, I want to provide it in an explicit way so that folks who are just tuning in, they can have a little bit more information. Uh, it'll also give you an opportunity, again, to kind of reflect on when you, you hear me say something, you can say, I thought he meant this, but I guess he probably means that because of this is where he's been, this is how he's fished, and this is kind of who he is. And I think there's also an auxiliary benefit. There's a relationship, and I know that I am not a top-tier podcaster like some of the, the people that have you know millions and millions of subscribers out there kind of outside of fly fishing. But at the same time, I know that there is a relationship that you develop. There's people that I listen to within the fly fishing world and in history and some other podcasts that I pay attention to that I feel like I know that person. And so there, there's some some joy to that, and there is uh, just an added benefit to having that. So for all those reasons, and because I've had a lot of questions, I figured I'd kind of talk a little bit about myself and where I've been uh, in this week's podcast. Don't worry. I haven't done this since episode four. Now it's 125. Maybe I won't do it again to like 250, but we'll see. 
I was not born into a fly fishing family. I wasn't born into a fishing family. I was born in Illinois, and my first fishing memory was fishing with my grandfather on a canal in central Illinois. And I remember catching sunfish, and I remember the warm sunfish in the middle of the summer in my hand on this canal, on the bank of this canal, fishing with worms, fishing with canned corn. I also remember hooking my grandfather in the ear. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot of fishing. I can another, another important memory, I think, for me was catching my first bass on the Fox River in Illinois on a canoe trip, and uh, remember eating that fish also. But one of the other things that I can recall from that young age is my dad's tackle box. Now, my dad was not an angler. I'm, I'm sure given the opportunity and, and the interest, he'd been totally fine at it because he's very, very talented at a lot of stuff, but it just wasn't his thing. He had a lot of other interests, and, and uh, I just remember his tackle box, though. It wasn't enormous, but just as a kid, those compartments and those things, the fish scaler, the fillet knife, the big lead sinkers, the bucktails, the rubber worms that had been deformed from being hot in the sun, the bobbers, all those things captivated me. And so from a young age, I can really identify a fascination with gear. And I'll, I'll explore that more as, as it plays out, but gear and gear reviews and all that stuff is, is a part of casting across, not because uh, I think there's any intrinsic value in it, but because I enjoy it. Um, I, I really do enjoy stuff because what does stuff mean? Stuff represents trying something different. So for me as a little kid, imagining how to use all those different lures, why you would use them, in what situation, what kind of fish, what kind of river, you know, what season... Those kind of things were fascinating to me, and that just continued to expand and expand. And, and now, here I am 20-plus years later, and I feel the same way, but I also know a lot of the people that are making these things. So it's also there's a story behind so many of these products. So I could say that the beginning of that aspect of my interest in fishing, particularly in fishing gear, started when I was a little kid in Illinois. When we were 13, we moved to Virginia. My father was in the government, and so we moved from Illinois to northern Virginia right outside of Washington, D.C., moved to this new area, didn't know anybody, and my very first friend, this is Providence, this was the Lord working in my life, was a fisher. Alan liked to fish, and so if I was going to spend time with Alan, I was going to fish, and so I started fishing. I remember going and buying my first real rod and reel, not a spin casting outfit, but a spinning rod, Shimano rod and reel from the Sports Authority, and I remember going fishing, and I fished and fished and fished, and one of the most kind of profound moments for me at that time, my early teens, was going to the Shenandoah River, and I'd never waited before. So here I'm walking on this river, just casting behind rocks, next to weed beds, catching smallmouth bass. I never knew a fish could pull that hard. I got this ultralight Shimano rod and reel, and it was just awesome. Rivers had been so intimidating to me, and to, to be honest with you, they still kind of are compared to ponds. But this was a awesome moment for me. So Alan and I fished. We fished all sorts of rivers and streams in the area, but we mostly fish little retention ponds in our northern Virginia suburbs. They were crawling with bass and sunfish and catfish and carp and all sorts of other weird things. We spent all of our time riding our bikes up until the point in time when we could drive, driving to all these ponds. And when we could drive, the world opened up to us. We could go north into Maryland and Pennsylvania. We could go west into the mountains of Virginia and West Virginia. We could go south into more of what we were fishing, but bigger lakes and ponds. And we can go east if we wanted to, to the ocean. We were fishing all the time. And at this 
point in life, almost all of the disposable income was going to accumulating more stuff because once again, you know, a different kind of rod gave me access to different kind of fish. A different kind of lure gave us access to different kinds of water. And that was just part of who we were and how we were fishing. Not long after we moved to Virginia, my father moved to Arkansas. So I was still up in Northern Virginia, but I got to go down to Arkansas to visit him a number of times throughout the year, every year. And what I got to do then is go fishing on some really big rivers, uh, big warm water rivers in the central part of the state, and then big cold water rivers on the northern part of the state. And on the Little Red River, using power bait, I encountered my first rainbow trout my first trout. And I was just blown away how cold this water was and how aggressive all these fish were that I was seeing uh, in, in the Little Red River. Within a few months, coming back from catching that trout, my friend Alan comes to me and says, I've started fly fishing. Why did he start fly fishing? He started fly fishing because his aunt lived adjacent to a stretch of the Yellow Breaches Creek in South Central Pennsylvania that was fly fishing catch and release only. So to fish the water that he could easily access, he had to learn how to fly fish. And now I had to learn how to fly fish. And for me, that was opening up not just, you know, a couple of doors, but really an entire wing of angling opportunities. And it was just the recognition at that young age that there was an entire other way to approach fishing that really, really fascinated me. So I went out to Sports Authority again, where I had bought my Shimano rod and reel. And now I was buying a Crystal River fly rod with a foam handle and a graphite fiberglass combination blank, a plastic reel, and probably the worst fly line you can imagine, and then that set of flies. I guarantee you that somewhere in one of my fly boxes, I have some of my original flies that I bought from that little cheap assortment. Most of them had a little red tag on the end. There's no way I fished them. There's no way that I lost all of them. So I guarantee I have one of them somewhere. But within a couple of weeks, we were up in Pennsylvania, and I remember walking up to that stream. It wasn't even the Yellow Breaches property. It was this little stretch called the Run, which is a, uh, a outlet from a big spring-fed pond. Walking up to that little run with my boots that I had, plastic bags in between my boots and my socks in case I went in a little bit uh, deeper than the, the tongue of my boot, casting that rod with maybe a zug bug or a print, something with a little white collar on it, and catching a brown trout. And so within short order, early in the year, I'd caught my first rainbow trout and on, a, on a piece of uh, power bait. And here I was catching my first brown trout on a fly rod. And it was off to the races from there. Again, we were just taking all of our time, all of our energy, all of our money, and we were fishing all over the place. And now it was fishing rivers and it was fishing creeks and it was getting into trout. And we were absolutely loving it. We got involved with Trout Unlimited. Uh, TU had fish with the member programs. We got to go to places we'd never heard of. Our parents had never heard of before. And we were driving out to the mountains and fishing these small brook trout streams. And then again, following in Alan's footsteps, I got involved with something called the Rivers Conservation and Fly Fishing Youth Camp. And this is where the, the awareness of what was happening in fly fishing, it, it went to an entirely new level. Up until this point, and at this point, I think I was 17, uh, I, I just thought about catching fish. Going to this camp, it, it awakened me to conservation and some of the responsibility and stewardship that went along with it. And it gave me an appreciation for not just the fish, 
not just the environment, but also the men and the women that had come before me that had put time, energy, and effort into conservation, into learning how to fish, and into producing what we have before us today. And so that was a really, really profound and important experience for me as a young man. Around this time, graduate high school, decided to go to college, go to Columbia International University in South Carolina, and there fishing changed a little bit. Um, I was still able to go catch trout in the northwestern part of the state, but it was a few hours away. It wasn't super easy in college. Went back to fishing a lot of bass ponds and really just kind of reverting to my roots. But it was also at this time that I wanted a job, and I wanted a job in fishing, and I applied all over the place down there, and I could not secure anything. It just didn't happen. But I was able to start working at a fly shop on my break, summer break, winter break, back up at home. I was able to work at an Orvis store. And that was where my love of gear really benefited me in that I just enjoyed showing people how to use stuff. I enjoyed finding the right rod and the right reel and the right line taper and the right flies and all those things for people. I really enjoyed taking what I knew and my passion. And this person might not give a rip about what rod I have in my shop. They just want the right rod for them. And so to be able to explain all those things and break down the benefits and the drawbacks from one model versus another was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed those years working uh, for Orvis and working in that store. And I was able to do a little bit of guiding and casting instruction during that time in, in Virginia and Maryland. And that was just a, a great experience. And it really, to me, showed how I had certainly not arrived. And I began to truly appreciate all the hard work that goes into doing this professionally. So finish up college, stop working in a fly shop, and we decided to go to graduate school. I'm married at this point in time. I got married at a pretty young age. I was 19, she was 20, and uh, we're still together. We were high school sweethearts, and uh, it's working out pretty pretty well. We'll get to that here in a, in a second. But we decided we can go to graduate school anywhere. She wanted to be a counselor. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So we say, let's move to South Central Pennsylvania, because that's where I can go fish for trout. And by we said that, I mean I said that. It allowed us to be close to our family, but it allowed us to be somewhere new and different. She found a wonderful school. I was able to go to Penn State, and we fished. We fished and we fished. And by we fished, I mean I fished. I was on the river four or five times a week. I was fishing the Latorte. I was fishing the Yellow Breaches and Big Spring. I was fishing the creeks up in the mountains. I was fishing on some of the smallmouth bass rivers in the area almost every day. And it was a phenomenal experience. And it was a time in my life that I'm probably never going to get back to, at least not until retirement age. But it was one of the most humbling, but also the greatest learning experiences. I not only got connected with the fish and the rivers and the environment, but the community. And fishing was really the conduit to that. And I really enjoyed that. I was in social work at the time. Wasn't exactly my favorite job, but that allowed me to get all over the place. On any given day, I was in somewhere in three broad counties in southern Pennsylvania, and there was fish all over every one of them. At this time, I also got back involved with the Rivers Conservation and Fly Fishing Youth Camp that I attended as a teenager, first as uh, a just a volunteer, but then I became one of the directors. And that was great to be able to take 
what I had learned about conservation and angling as well as mentorship and be able to feed that into teenagers and just to be involved with all the people, all the Trout Unlimited volunteers, a lot of the brands and companies that donated gear and sponsored the program, as well as fly fishing celebrities, dignitaries, speakers, whatever you want to say from the Northeast and across the country. It was a great experience and one of the things that I think has really, really had a lasting impact on me and the way that I think about fishing. So this takes me up to my mid-20s, and this is where things started to change. Not in my fishing. Fishing has, has stayed the same, but I, like I said, wasn't really content with my job. I was also feeling a call back to what I had originally desired to do when I got out of high school, and that was ministry. I wanted to be a pastor. So I went back to school, went to seminary, uh, stopped going to Penn State, went to seminary, and was working towards my degree. I want to stay in Pennsylvania because I love that community. I love the fishing, but I knew that there was much more important things out there. And so I ended up finding a church in New England, north of Boston. And I have been there for 11 years now. And fishing here is different. Uh, I just don't have the time anymore. Shortly after moving up here, we started having children. Uh, At this point, I have four. I've mentioned them many times. Uh, At present, they are nine, six, four, and two. But between the demands of my job and the wonderful opportunity uh, of being with my family, I'm just not fishing as much as I I did when I was uh, married uh, and living on a trout stream. But I have found lots of ways to fish and ways to work that into my schedule and my time. It took me years to realize how many brook trout are actually around me. That was kind of my big moping moment when I moved up here from Pennsylvania. I realized I wasn't going to have the spring creeks like I had when I was living there, which is really my favorite thing to do. And, and even today, if you if you told me you could live on the, the banks of any kind of creek river, I would want a, a big spring creek with big wily brown trout in it. But right behind that was brook trout. And, and I have brook trout all over the place. And so I'm able to get into brook trout within a few minutes drive. And I can't complain or, or, or whine about that whatsoever. And I also, I've fallen in love with stripers. So you know, I said I've been here for 11 years, and, and that that's true, but there was one year where I actually moved back to Virginia and did a little bit of work down there before coming back, and in that year, I realized I had really squandered my fishing opportunities by not pursuing striped bass more, and I have truly come to love the fishery that is just maybe about 10 miles away from me on, on the Atlantic coast, and I love the fish. I love the way that you fish for them. It is the polar opposite of fishing for brook trout and tiny creeks, but I think that's what I like about it. And so I'm doing a whole lot of that. And there's a lot of other stuff too. There's lots of bass up here. There's toothy stuff. It's just a lot of fun. And six years ago, I decided to take all of what I think about fly fishing and start to write that put that into uh, articles, put it onto a website. And that's where Casting Across came from. I wanted to talk about the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. I wanted to share my appreciation for the history of fly fishing. I wanted to talk about gear. I wanted to share some of my stories. I wanted to share some insights that I had because although I did benefit so much from so many mentors in fly fishing, there's a lot of it that was self-taught and in a day and an age before YouTube. And so although I've benefited immensely from so many of the resources that are available at present with the internet, I figured a lot of things out myself. Alan and I figured a lot of things out ourselves, just going in trial and error. And so although we never reinvented the wheel, 
what we did do was come about things kind of in our own way and from our own approach and just to be able to share some of those things with people because there's still the same techniques that I'm doing now. Interview people, talk about brands, share the passion that I see in people in the fly fishing industry with a broader audience so that when they pick up that piece of gear, they can look at it and say, wow, you know, there's more to this than uh, some some graphite and some cork. Uh, there's more to this than a, uh, a sling pack. There's actually a person and, and a story behind it. That's why I do casting across. But there's more to me too. I've got a family. Like I said, we uh, spend a lot of time outside not fly fishing. We hike a lot. We homeschool and we have incorporated spending time outside into so much of what we do, the literature aspect of it, the science aspect of it, the history, and and recess, for goodness sake. We go hiking uh, virtually every Monday and, and usually another time on the weekend also. We love being outdoors and all of my boys absolutely love being outside. And then what do I do full-time? Like I said, I want to be in ministry, so I'm a pastor. I'm the associate pastor at a good-sized church north of Boston. And what kind of church is it? Well, we're a non-denominational Bible church. And so, you know, if, if you don't know what that means, probably don't have much interest. But if you do, I'll give you a little more specifics. If you had to pin me down, say, what do you believe? Um, I would identify mostly with what you call a Reformed Baptist tradition. So again, if you don't know what that means, you probably don't much care, but I want you to hear this. Uh, I believe in objective truth. I believe in the revealed objective truth, most primarily in the person of Jesus Christ, but also in the Holy Scriptures. But when you hear that, what I want you to also hear is that I'm the kind of person that wants to have a conversation. Whether you agree 100%, which is not likely, or you are incredibly antagonistic to what I believe, I want to have a conversation. I want to have a conversation about faith. I want to have a conversation about fly fishing. I think that is one of my favorite parts of what I do both for work and what I do for casting across for fun on the side, is to be able to have conversations with people about our variety of experiences and kind of what we bring to our time on the water or what we bring to our worldview. That all matters, and I, I just enjoy having conversations with people just across the spectrum of experience. So there you go, 20 minutes of who I am. Is there more to it? Yeah, I could talk about barbecue. I could talk about my love for barbecue and how uh, I almost started a website about barbecue. I probably am much healthier that I'm writing and thinking and doing fly fishing stuff. Uh, than barbecue. We talk about history. I absolutely love history. Living in South Central Pennsylvania and Northern Virginia, the Civil War was all around me, and I've really enjoyed my time reading about and learning about that period of history. Okay, one one more fun fly fishing thing. Favorite rod. I have a eight and a half foot five weight Orvis T3 from probably 2000 or 2001. Absolutely love that rod. I feel like it's an extension of my arm. Favorite reel. The Orvis Battenkill 3-4 from that era also. So the rod and the reel don't go together, but that reel is just a beautiful, uh, solid little English-made reel. Favorite fly? I've got a lot of favorite flies. My favorite, favorite fly? I've actually never mentioned it because it's just it's just so so precious to me. It's not, the, not a huge secret, but uh, uh, number two is a yellow humpy. And a fun thing with a, a humpy coming up here on Casting Across in, in the very near future. But... So that's some information about me. Hey, any other questions? Want to have that conversation that I alluded to? Then uh, feel free to reach out, Matthew at castingacross.com. But yeah, this was a little bit awkward, but at the same time, hopefully it can be beneficial to you. 
this week on castingacross.com. Two articles that were really like a part one and a part two, a part A and a part B. The first one was called Gear Outside Fly Fishing. And I wanted to talk about why there are benefits to looking at other aisles of the outdoor store to find things to take fishing with you. So you are going to find things that are incredibly helpful for you on the water or as you get to the water, as you come off the water, fly fishing in the hiking section, in the camping section, maybe in the boating section, or even in the survival section. And so I I talked about how you can find value. You can find very specialized gear that meets a specific need that you have and how you can diversify your experience. So I I wrote about those three facets of of why you could shop outside the outdoor aisle uh, in that article. And then Wednesday's article is very similar called Gear Outside the Angling Aisle. So again, very, very similar topics and, and titles, but this one was three reviews. I review a rain jacket from Sierra Designs. I review a alpaca hoodie from Appalachian Gear Company, and I review a, it's called a flat pack. It's a portable grill and fire pit from UCO Gear. And again, none of these things are fly fishing things, but they are things that come with me when I go fly fishing. And I talk about why and how they are beneficial uh, in that article. Now, next week on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about this concept more fully. So about 25 minutes on how you can look outside of the pages of the fly fishing catalog when, when you have your big you know, Bass Pro or Cabela's catalog or whatever. You can look outside of fly fishing and fishing to find gear that can be beneficial. So we're going to explore that in more depth next week. This week's recommendation, it really ties nicely to what I talk about. It's to record your fishing. Record your fishing. Not with a camera, not with a GoPro. And that stuff, it can be helpful. But make notes. Save notes from yourself. Thinking back about my time as a teenager fishing and how many fishing trips that Alan and myself and other friends went on and all of the experiences that we had, it just kind of sits back there as this amazing time. And I know it was, and I believe it was. And I don't need pictures to remind me of it. But if I could stop and read even just bullet points of those trips, that would be a wonderful trip back down memory lane here 20 years later. And I imagine 20 years from now, I would feel the exact same way. And I, I feel, I'll probably feel that way then as I do about the, my, my time now. So I'm trying to do a better job of it. Of course, I've got this website and I've got this podcast. And as long as uh, the internet sticks around and my hard drive doesn't crash, then I'm going to have a record of it. But that's my encouragement to you. As I look back through my fishing experiences and how they have woven through my life, it would have been really, really cool if I had done a better job as a teenager and a young man in my 20s and, and uh, my late 20s to keep record of what I was doing, where I was going, maybe some thoughts I was thinking as I was doing those things. Um, because I'm not saying you have to keep a diary or a journal, but if fishing matters and fishing is something that you integrate into your life, then that's just one simple way that you can keep something that will be beneficial to you and who knows who it will be beneficial to uh, your kids and other people that come along after you in your fly fishing footsteps thanks for listening to the casting across fly fishing podcast please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on itunes then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people places and things that go into the pursuit of fish
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.